The Batteries Included podcast is brought to you with United Chargers. United Chargers presents the Grizzly range of EV chargers. There's the original Grizzly Classic, a powerful, heavy-duty, portable EV charging station built to withstand the toughest conditions. The Grizzly Duo, a dual-port unit designed to charge two vehicles at the same time. The Grizzly Mini, a small, portable charging station built with an indoor-outdoor-rated cast aluminium enclosure. And the Grizzly Smart, a revolutionary smart EV charger. All Grizzly chargers come with a convenient 24-foot cable and the ability to adjust the current from 16 amps all the way up to 40 amps. That's 9.6 kilowatts, plus they're IP67 rated. Built in Canada with the highest quality materials, order yours now at unitedchargers.com. That's unitedchargers.com. Hello, and welcome to the Batteries (laughs) Included podcast. It's September the 29th, 2023, and this is episode number five. Thank you very much for joining us. On today's show, we'll be talking about the Honda Prologue making its full and official debut. The BYD Dolphin Dolphin is coming to North America, and Ford suspends work on its $3.5 billion Michigan battery plant. And of course, much, much more. I'm Dominic Yoni, host of the YouTube channel Drive Electric with Dominic. Joining us today is the dapper Mr. Tom Logney, senior editor at Inside EVs and host of the YouTube channel State of Charge. We also have the magical Mr. Martin Lee from the EV News Daily podcast, which is available on all the best podcast platforms. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, Kyle Connor joins us for the majestic, magical and majestic, mm. practically palatial, mm. also out of spell. Okay. Okay. Talk. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Just Just too many gummies today. Up with magic. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kyle, you produce high voltage videos for a number of YouTube channels. So, good morning. <laughs> Welcome, good morning, everybody. Morning. Good to good see you morning. all. Good morning. Good to see you. All right. So but while I compose myself, how about we kick it over to Martin Lee for a new batteries included segment that we're calling the EV News Daily Weekly Record- Reporting Roundup. <laughs> so here's some of the things happening in the last week in the world of EVs. Tesla expanded their European footprint with their V4 superchargers in Italy, following the Netherlands and the UK. Now, here in the UK, we can pay for charging by scanning a QR code or tapping our bank card or phone. Italy also saw the arrival of the Model 3 Highland in showrooms. Tesla's Model 3 Performance could get a motor upgrade in their Highland revamp, a European-type certificate for the uh, rear-wheel drive, unveiled a fresh spin on the Model 3 Performance, the letter T in the VIN number, is usually reserved for the model found in uh, the motor found in the Plaid S and X. Tesla's Model Y didn't just steal the spotlight in August in Europe, but in the entire European region, the Model Y was the number one selling passenger vehicle. 151,000 units sold over 3,000 more than the Dacia Sandero. If you don't know that car, it's a very, very cheap uh, small car. So for the Model Y to do that as a premium vehicle, amazing, number one. Tesla's non-supercharging initiative expanded to North America recently with their first uh, Alaskan stations being turned on for CCS1-compatible EVs. And it Anchorage V3 superchargers with the Magic Dock built in. Now let's talk about the Kia EV9 dazzling the market when it arrives in the fourth quarter, priced at 56,265, including destination. That's for the light trim with a 76 kilowatt hour battery, 223 miles of range, loads of tech in that. The long range version will be a 100 kilowatt hour battery, but with a slightly weaker motor, interestingly, but 300 miles of range. We'll talk about this story a lot more on batteries included today. Honda's foray into the EV market arrives 
with the Prologue, and it's going to impress with nearly 300 miles of range, they say, designed on GM's Ultium EV blueprint, much like the Chevy Blazer. Inside, though, very Honda designed with the dash and the tech that it includes, things like Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Honda say that will go into the vehicles. 85 kilowatt hour battery, 155 kilowatt peak speed on rapid charging. We'll certainly get into this on the podcast today. Upper 40,000, as they say, on the price. Here in Europe, Nissan declared that every new vehicle launched in Europe will now be electric, but that includes plug-in hybrids as well, and going fully electric by 2030. Ford temporarily paused construction of their $3.5 billion EV battery plant in Marshall, Michigan. The decision drew criticism from the UAW. They said it was a potentially job-threatening move as those contract negotiations continue. The Detroit Auto Show wrapped up uh, last, last weekend, actually, uh, and it was a surge in attendees that wanted to do the Michigan EV experience. That is just going out in an EV. Ford and Tesla had some unique street ride courses. Otherwise, there was a course that you could go around in an EV. As we all know, the best way to experience an EV is to actually get in an EV. And more about that in a minute in Australia. But we go to China now, where regulator, uh, regulatory authorities, easy for me to say, uh, approved Xiaoji 1, an upgraded version of the GBT plug, but it's also compatible with Chadamo 3.1, the next-gen fast charging standard from Chadamo. It'll do 1.2 megawatts of DC fast charging. From 2014 to 2022, Texas confirmed they distributed 6,500 EV rebates, that's $16.3 million, into the state's transition to EV transport. Volvo declared they'll cease diesel production, setting the pace among European car makers in a shift away from diesel technology. Kia of America confirmed that the 2024 model year for the Nero EV will be just $180 more than the current one, $40,925. The wave trim will do 253 miles EPA. Now it comes standard with the vehicle-to-load inverter. That's very cool. The 2024 Porsche Cayenne. SE Hybrid was launched for the US market. 174 horsepower electric motor, really well integrated into the Porsches, the way they do that. And a big upgrade from 18 to 26 kilowatt hours on the battery pack, but still, what's going to do, what, 30 miles or something? I think it should be more. Peugeot rolled out their newest EV, the E308 for the European market. £40,000 here in the UK. 115 kilowatt motor, uh, 54 kilowatt hour battery, 257 miles of WLTP range. BYD expanded their footprint in the North American market with the uh, BYD Dolphin coming to Mexico. We'll talk about this on the podcast today. And 500,000 Dolphin EVs have now rolled off the production line in China. Guess a slightly smaller battery in Mexico, 45 kilowatt hours than in, here in Europe. They're going to give it a 61 kilowatt hour battery. Down under, I mentioned this a moment ago, BYD and their Aussie importer EV Direct orchestrated what they call is the world's biggest test drive event. 1,400 Aussies I had a go in the BYD at three last weekend and 200 people ordered one. Congratulations to Ubitricity, the Berlin-based charging network owned by Shell. Hit 10,000 charging points and 7,000 of those here in the UK are the lamppost chargers. And I thought this was a nice story to end our summary of the week. The Swedish EV boat maker Candela, which uses the Polestar 2 bits, the 69 kilowatt hour battery and all the DC gubbins, uh, did a new world record in 24 hours covering 777 kilometres for a boat on pure electric power. This is the one that gets up on the plane and uh, they recharge it uh, from 13% to 66% on average every time it stopped, uh, costing 120 euros in uh, electricity, which would have cost 750 litres of fuel, about 1,400 euros. So, yeah, EV, cheaper, silent, and just so much 
better. That's our summary. Let us know what you think of it. Leave us a comment. If you want us to do this every week, you can let you know what's happened in EV World before we get into the bigger discussion. Dom, it's back to you. Boom. <laughs> All right. Magic. <laughs> Magic. Don't start with me. Sorry. No, no, no. It's not. <laughs> All right. So we'll dig in some of those stories a bit later. Uh, but it was kind of great to see some of the because I go when I go through all these stories of the week beforehand, like yesterday or or through the week too. But I see and I see stories that I you know I'd like to bring up and talk about. They're not necessarily cars like the Candela boat make it getting that record. I kind of wanted to talk about that, but it you know doesn't really fit into our format. So this is a great place to like spread the word about that. And I, I like the segment. So if if you did or if you didn't, you know, let us know below. Below. Um, all right. So, but Kyle. Let's start with you, and we'll talk. We'll dig in, like I said, the, dig into these stories in a bit. But first, uh, I understand you drove the BMW i7 M70 last week in Portugal uh, while you were there to drive another car that we'll probably talk about next week. Uh, now you drove the i7 ten months ago, and you were super enthusiastic about it, uh, even though it shares a, a platform with a combustion version. So tell us how you think the M70 version is different and your thoughts about driving it. Yeah, well, uh, you know, very, very quickly, because I think it's such a it's going to be such a unique vehicle that we don't need to spend too much time on it. But you basically take the electric seven, which is the top BMW at the moment and always has been the seven's always been the top. But uh, what's really cool is BMW has made their electric version just awesome. You know, when I first heard that it was going to be a combustion car and an electric car is like, ah, damn, what the heck is going on at BMW? Don't they know we need full battery electric platforms? And then driving that car, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> this is really efficient and really quiet and really nice to drive. And yes, there are compromises by doing a non-full battery electric platform. For example, no front trunk. Um, but the iX, as an example, is a full battery electric trick platform with no front trunk. So that I thought that was kind of weird too. Anyway, um, you know, all of our concerns about the electric seven were gone when I was able to drive it because it has unbelievable driver assistance for the highway cruising. I mean, so smooth. It is the quietest vehicle I've ever been in. It's so comfortable. It is as close as you can get to a Rolls Royce, truly a next level driving experience. But the price is fairly reasonable for the standard i7. It's like a hundred grand. And if it, you get way more than a hundred grand worth of perceived value driving it in terms of the intangibles. Now, though, they have juiced up the seven with an M version, which we never thought we'd see an M on a seven. But here we are. And um, what's cool is the top version of the car is fully electric. There's no combustion equivalent for this. So BMW realized, oh, awesome. OK, if we want to make it do all the things we want the car to do, it has to be battery electric. Because when you go for a, a, a performance-oriented 7 Series, you cannot give up on the comfort. And um, this car does not give up on the comfort. It has a slightly larger wheel and a sport tire that I think impacts the ride quality more than actually the suspension changes do. So if you were to take this car and put the standard wheels and tires on it, I bet you would feel almost no difference, which is the most important thing of this car, because every buyer of the i7 M70, every original buyer, that is, that walks into a dealer that wants one, they're going to go, I want your best seven series and I'm writing you a check for it right now. And so it has to be comfortable because that's what that buyer is expecting. They're not researching the car every day. It just needs to work for 
you know, the daily commute and they just want the M70 badge on the back. And it's $175,000. So it's got to be great. And that's a starting price before options. And honestly, it's not a problem. They are going to sell every single one of these without even a hint of issue is my impression. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because they're not going to build that many in the first place. So uh, the one I drove was probably specced over 200 grand with individual Mm -hmm. paint and theater displays and all Mm -hmm. this crazy stuff. Um, So basically what they did, they didn't compromise on comfort. They juiced up the motors where it's, I would say appropriately powered at 650 horsepower and some more in an electric world. That's yeah, that's fine. But it's like, okay, my model S plaid, which now costs half as much as this car has almost twice the power. So, you know, you're not buying this car for straight line drag racing, but they've stiffened up the bushings and the suspension recalibrated some of the settings, especially when you go into sport mode. Now you can fully disable DSC and, you know, rotate the car out of a corner. And honestly, like, the the fun thing is when when you do drive this car fast because I always find it enjoyable to drive big cars quickly. They really dialed this thing in, and they should for the price. But it's unbelievable how quickly you can get this thing down a back road. I mean, full oversteer coming out of corners, great brake pedal feel and performance. Um, it does everything really well. And um, yeah, everyone's saying it's brutally ugly. Like I thought the same thing when the car came out. I was like, ooh, that's not it. But it's actually grown on me. Uh, quite a bit in terms of the styling, uh, especially actually compared to the i5, which is almost more traditional, but I like mm. less. Um, yeah, I don't know. A- either way, they didn't mess it up. It's faster. It's more expensive. It's everything you would expect, and it's wonderful. And I can't wait for them to be fifty grand used. <laughs> fifty grand used i7. That'd be a that'd be a steal. Man. Yeah, well, you know, I have to. We also should start the show with our weekly warning. An mm-hmm. Audi e-tron Prestige, oh. you can buy a nice one with under fifty thousand miles for twenty nine grand right now. Oh, oh, right. oh! Woo. Go buy yeah. that. Right, right. Yeah, but we do talk about a lot of expensive cars, and this one is like I have the MSRP actually is one sixty eight five hundred, but that's potato potato. <laughs> uh, most of us can't afford anything even close to that. Used Audi e-tron is like getting down into my neighborhood. Like, like that's cheaper than a Model Y used. Uh, wow, yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have the range of the Model Y, but it's got you know super comfort, super great ride that the Model Y does not have, and uh, its space is bigger than the Model Y too, yeah. right? Yeah, and it's charges better than the Model Y in terms of overall adding power, but then. Its efficiency wow. is really bad. So. <laughs> right, right, and yeah. it has to rely on the CCS uh, networks, really, right now. Yeah, too, that's, so. if you're going to do a lot of road tripping, don't get that car. But it can do it if you're comfortable with the charging infrastructure in your country. Right, and it'll do it next year too. Right, once once the uh, uh, Zaudi actually jump on a Max wagon yet? I can't remember. No, no Volkswagen no. product has. Oh, right, but we know they will because right, yeah. Just like BMW too, by the way, I, you know, I made a big point to talk to BMW about charging in our country. And it, it, the, the saying is so true. I mean, a German automaker designs, builds, tests their cars in Germany and they're used to their charging infrastructure. And it's funny, they complain about their charging infrastructure in Germany. They're like, this needs to get so much better. I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? It's wonderful. Uh, (laughs) And I'm like, you really need to just come to the U.S., grab an IX, grab an I7 and drive New York to L.A., and just go on, you know, one of the three major routes and you'll see everything you need to see. 
And you'll find some stations that work perfectly and you'll find some stations that it's almost impossible to get a high power charge at. And that variability is just what's really killing us right now. Yeah. And so I was like, why are you not partnering with Tesla? And they're like, we're working on it. Yeah. So, yeah, they're going to do it. And, not and that's the thing on a, on a road trip. It only takes one hiccup to ruin your whole trip. You know, if, if there's, you know, you, you could charge, 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 and then you get to that next one and you can't charge and you don't have a backup on a station that you can get to, it, it just destroys your whole, your whole plan. Yeah. So, you know, I, and, and sometimes I fall into that hole where I don't need DC fast charging a lot where I live around here. I live in New York, New Jersey area. Everything is like close. You know, I can go to th four States without having to charge. And, um, so when I charge, it's mostly to do recordings and so forth. And I have pretty good luck. I most, very high percentage of the time I go, I charge, I get my recording and I'm done. So I fall into this every now and then I admit, I fall into this thing like, yeah, it's not that bad. And then Kyle reminds me he's on a trip and he's like, look at this. Like, I don't know where we're going to go now. And uh, I almost have to be reminded that I, I kind of live in a bubble here. Charging is pretty good in the areas that I need to charge, but I know it's not elsewhere. And it only takes one problem to ruin your whole trip. And, uh, you know, it just has to get better. Yeah, definitely. I, one, one of the things that I, I thought about I, the other day, and I was having one of those moments, if we talked about this on Batteries Included or not, which was the new American charging network. So BMW, General Motors, mm -hmm. Honda, Hyundai, Kia, Mercedes-Benz Stellantis, that launched with a huge fanfare in July. Did we then go back and talk about that network and NACs? Did they did they talk about NACs at the announcement of that network yeah, in they, July? they're doing NACs and CCS. Thank you for, because I, I was thinking, did we have that conversation or not? But obviously we did. I don't know did. if we did here, but they will be supporting NACs. And honestly, the way I pitched it to BMW and also, you know, Audi and Volkswagen and everyone, and like the engineers are like, trust me, we're working on it. It's just like a back end like data thing. And, you know, like Mercedes did it. That's what I keep bringing up. Like Mercedes, a German company did it. And they're like, we know that's how we're really <laughs> pushing it along in the company. If Mercedes right. never did it, BMW probably would not be considering it. Um, and so I think yeah. that made a big deal. That's just my impression talking to everyone on the charging team there. But um, they're like, uh, you know, it, I'm like, you're at a competitive disadvantage. If you know, that's what that's how I talked to the Mercedes engineer early. I'm like, you park mm. your EQS next to a Model S. Let's say they're the same price. Model S is cheaper. Let's say you're the same price. You're way uglier. And you have to charge on garbage charging experiences. So, like, you have to join. They're like, yeah, okay, we kind of You have know to they're going to, Kyle, though. That's the thing. To. And until yeah. until it's available, like, uh, none of the co companies that have signed on can can yet access the superchargers. You know, that's not going to happen until Q1 at some point next year. Until that happens, there's no rush for the other companies to say, we're going to do it. Because they're not at a competitive disadvantage yet. I think they they're are, not. Though. They're not losing sales yet. I don't think. Yeah, uh, I think uh, they are. Well, you know, I I don't know if enough people are are as savvy as we are understanding this connector stuff. And when right. people go to a dealership to buy an EV, they're not saying, "Oh, wait a minute, these guys signed on; those guys didn't." I'm going to buy that EV. I don't think enough people understand this yet, Kyle. We sometimes assume that the public knows this, 
you know, insanity with connectors and plugs. <laughs> I don't think most people understand it yet. So I think until the vehicles are available and in the showroom, somebody can say, oh, yeah, you can uh, here take this thing, which is the thing, and and use this and you can charge on all those Tesla stations. That's the advantage. Nobody's saying that yet, in my opinion, at least. I think that once it's available, then you're going to see everybody say, okay, we're in, we're in, we're in. There's, well, they should. Feet, yeah, they I, should I, be thinking this way. I don't disagree with you. That's just my take on why we haven't seen everybody come out yet. Everyone will come out and join, but until they, they're they at that disadvantage, they're, not, they're in no rush. That's how I feel about it, at least. Okay. Uh, can we talk about another car that you had this week, Kyle? So I believe you just said goodbye to the Hyundai Ionic 6. And you had that car actually earlier this year, too. And I remember you had doing a review and stuff. But now that you've had it for like a few days, did you get a chance to do much driving with it in, in the overall uh, I didn't really do that much with it. I mean, the guys really worked with it. So right. Ryan did the range testing. I think Max did a 10% challenge. Uh, there was no need to log a zero to 100% curve because it's the same charging experience we've seen from the other cars with this battery pack in it. And uh, we know that battery really well now. So, yeah, we, we got to crunch all the data, make all the graphs, do all the things. But it uh, was extremely efficient, uh, considering this is the least efficient version of the car. Uh, okay. They gave us the all-wheel drive with the big wheels. And I was like, please send us the Aero Wheel one to Colorado. And they just – what's crazy is if you get the mid or the high spec, you get the big wheels, which look uh -huh. amazing. But – as everyone knows, like a wider wheel, a different wheel face really can change the aero profile of the car. So, um, but, but even then this uh, actually went farther than a Tesla model three performance also on 20 inch wheels okay. uh, by one mile. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's pretty interesting and similar size battery packs. And we all know model three is pretty magically efficient as well. So right. I was impressed with this car in a, in in its efficiency. Uh, I, you know, no question, it seems to be built better than any Tesla Model Three, just in terms of the solidity of the car and the shut lines, and you know, this really premium uh, feeling build quality. Truly, right. and Colton has a whole deep dive video coming live, maybe right now as we're speaking, in about seven minutes, going over every bit of this car, but. The interior experience is just not great, in my opinion. The plastics are really plasticky. The And that's not where I make a buying decision off of. So I'll tell you what's good and what's bad for our audience, which is the car charges like a monster. You go on a road trip, this thing in the 10% challenge was almost at Tycon levels. I mean, almost there. It's unbelievable how well this thing did on the road trip range. So if you want a road tripper, here you go. Um, the driver assistance is good. Uh, you know, the, the overall shape of the car has really grown on me. It looks pretty cool. It drives so nice. It's quiet. The suspension is tuned between comfort and sport, perfectly compromised in the middle. And uh, overall, no issues really with, with the car's driving and, and core competencies. The software sucks ass. Technical term. <laughs> really does. Um, it's so what, annoying what, to what use part of the software. Hmm. What, what, <laughs> All of what? it. It's ugly to look at. It's it right. beeps every time you touch it as the default setting, which you have to like oh. go into the settings and turn off the beep, which is the first thing I do. Um, yeah. You need to use a USB A wired to access CarPlay and Android Auto, which 
I don't do because I want the car to precondition on the way to a charger, which means you need to go into the nav and find the charger physically for it to start preconditioning. Um, oh. And it won't precondition below 20% state of charge because it thinks you're going to run out. But you also want to get to a charger below 20% state of charge. So this is mind blowing. Um, right. Overall, like the whole you know, user experience is no change from their combustion cars. And now they're saying, finally, Ionic 6 offers over-the-air software updates for the first time, which it does. But I have a friend who owns one of these, and he has been so frustrated with the phone as a key experience after software updates and having the car, like having to bring it to a dealer after software updates and they not knowing what's going on. This is a real problem for these people these Koreans. They need to understand that software isn't just a HMI slapped on the rest of the car. It needs to all be designed as one package. And it can do some cool things. Like it will know when you go into a tunnel and activate activate recirculating air uh, inside the (laughs) car for better air quality. Like there's nice features that all of these cars have, but they're so confusing for the average person to figure out. And so, um, yeah, they're, and, they're and just looking at the display right there, like on the dash, you can see like, what, what is all that? Like, it's not super straightforward and, you know, it's trying to be, I don't know what it's trying to be, but you know, people just need information. Give them that first. Yeah. It's just like you park it next to the model three. Right. And I had both during my time and I'm like, yeah, the Ionic six, like is more interesting to look at. It's certainly higher quality. I actually kind of like the way that the suspension is tuned better than the current model three. And I prefer the motors and the, and, and that stuff in the, in the Tesla in terms of tuning. But um, then like, you're like, let me just go somewhere. And in the Tesla, you just input a destination. All the routes are there automatically warms up the battery on the way you get to a charger, you plug it in. That's a real use case. In the Hyundai, you're like, what the heck do I need to do to get this thing in? And it takes so much longer just to get your first charging stop in. So, um, yeah, and their route planner, which they claim is massively improved, just isn't. It was sending me to all the wrong chargers. It's like, here's a 50-kilowatt station. It's across the street from a 350-kilowatt charger. I'm like, what are you doing? Sorry to go on a rant, but No, I hate that, though. There's no There is no excuse not to know what chargers it should it should charge on like i get it five years ago i understand that uh, and we were still assimilating all this information now but we're so far past that and i when i experience that it frustrates the life out of me because it's not like we don't know how to do it um just get in a tesla and 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 have a play for half an hour and you go all oh, right this is how it's done so that's really frustrating that it doesn't know and some of the, I think some of the biggest improvements have been with the German cars. I think some of those German cars, uh, like three, five years ago, really sucked in terms of the nav and how to find chargers. And now, particularly here in Europe, they've really got themselves together. They've obviously come together with those companies that collate data, that bring data together, all the back-end stuff. Uh, I think it's been really imp- – it's kind of just happened at a bit of a, uh, a pace that I think is really impressive. But, yeah, for the South Koreans not to – have that same thing it is frustrating because i don't i like I, like my kona is what a 21 plate so it would have been designed in you know 1819 and I, it's fine i don't need it anyway but if i bought a new ev now i'd want all that to work 
just perfectly. On the preconditioning, below 20% state of charge, can you then override it and go, no, 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 I do want it? You can't. No. Wow. It's, it's actually annoying how preconditioning works a little bit too, because there's so many little parameters, which is you have to be within a certain distance from the charger, but not below uh. 20% state of charge. And uh, I did a whole video about it with Ionic 5 this winter. It's unbelievably helpful because you need it uh, with these cars. They cold gate like crazy. So you really need the batteries warm in the wintertime. And they are actually fairly efficient. So if you're driving between legs in the wintertime, um, and especially if the roads are kind of schmutzy and they're wet, it will cool down the battery pack to the point where you're then stuck at 40 kilowatts at the next charger, even if you had just heated it up at your previous charging session. So while you're charging, you need to go and find that exact charger you're going to in the system, which takes way longer than it should because the, the pins, you have to be like all the way zoomed in. At least what Porsche does and what Mercedes does is they show you high power chargers when the map is zoomed out. Here, you have to like go all the way in, know exactly where they are, and there you're good to go. Yeah, and this was another point Bert brings up, which is when you initially go search for chargers, they prioritize every charger based off of proximity. And so it's showing you like, here's a level two charger at the middle school, and here's one downtown that you're not going to be going to. So you can at least lock that to DC chargers, which I learned after I made a video about it yesterday. So that's great, but it still doesn't show me like perfectly along the route what I'm heading to and what's around my destination on the map physically. So, yeah. And, uh, so, yeah. sorry, so I was has, done talking about it, but it's so, just like, it still has some uh, way to go then, I guess. Right. It's like the cars are so good. They have an opportunity to crush the market here because their, their charging performance is amazing. We talked about the EV6 GT on the Autobahn being incredible. Um, their cars are great, but they're really let down, really let down from the user experience, uh, daily living side. Yeah, I did find the Hyundai uh, Ionic Six is a great highway cruiser. That like the ride in that thing is is really nice. It's uh, yeah on the highway at speed. It's nice. It's just a great feeling car. I, I agree with Colton on the in, interior interior uh, materials. A little bit cheapish. If you, even the material things besides the hard plastics, even the materials are a little bit. I don't know. It, it just don't feel substantive to me. You know, but. Anyway, yeah, I actually uh, think that the Ionic 5 interior layout is better for me. And and the weird thing, I know it's a very me thing, but the seating position is way too high where I'm actually hitting my head as I drive. So if you're a tall person, you may not uh, fit so well. Yeah. Ionic 6? Yeah. Okay. I don't recall yeah. having that I, issue. I, mean, I, I generally sit pretty close to the wheel because uh, if I'm right. driving, I want to mm -hmm. be on top of it. Mm -hmm. And the windshield's so raked back that I can just feel the hairs brushing on that roof line. Oh, what Pete said. Yeah. Pete just uh, said, uh, Pete Bermie in the comments, we all need EV nav systems to ask us what state of charge we want to be at when we arrive at our final destination, like a BRP, uh, a better route planner, which is now owned by Rivian. Yes. And you know, you find a good route planner when they give you two settings, when they say, what do you want to get to your charger at, which is usually like 3%. And what do you want when you get to your destination, which is set differently because, you know, right. you, you want that to be different. So BMW lets you do that. Porsche used to let you do that, but now they've baked it into one setting, which is not cool. And Mercedes lets you do this as well. Talking about Pete, um, I'm actually in the process of making a video with Pete. Oh, Pete's 2019 Model 3 just turned 100,000 miles. Ooh. It was his first, his first electric vehicle. So we're doing a uh, 
owner review of a Tesla Model 3 ownership experience. Four years in, he was averaging 25,000 miles a year and he just turned 100,000 miles. So probably at some point in the next mm, two weeks, I'll have that video up on a uh, thing that we started doing. I started interviewing him and taking video of him driving it and supercharging and so forth. So I'm going to try to paint the whole picture of the, an owner's experience living with an EV for four years and 100,000 miles. What kind of okay. miles, what kind of journeys has he done? Is he a, is he a kind of long distance road trip away? He's taken it to Florida from New Jersey. He cool. takes it up to New Hampshire all the time from New Jersey. He's got a house up in New Hampshire, uh, down to, I think, um, is it North Carolina? Pete, you go to a yeah. lot. Uh, so yeah, no, he, he takes road trips and he just drives a lot. Pete, you yeah. know, he just, he, he drives all the time. So I'm mean, 25,000 miles yeah. a year average. Is quite a lot. It, it's not Kyle miles, but it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's it's a lot of miles for much more than the average person in the U.S. drives between twelve and fifteen thousand miles a year. So substantially more than what the average driver drives. And his, uh, uh, I'm going to do a seventy mile an hour road test with range test with it at a hundred thousand miles to see how far it goes. His battery, uh, you know, through Tesla Fi, I think he's got ninety two percent capacity still after a hundred thousand miles. So we're we're going to paint the whole picture of uh, life with uh, a 100,000 miles with a Model 3. Awesome. I've got my, my Model 3 is like a year older than that. And it's got half the miles. I'm going to be hitting 50,000 miles here probably on Saturday, I think, because I'm, I'm going on a road trip myself right now. Um, more on that next week. Uh, also, so Kyle, we um, you have the... Lexus RZ450e in your driveway now. I don't. We're going to talk about that next week. Really, we don't need to talk about that right now. But any, yeah, any you can you can play around with it when you're here. Maybe. Aren't you leaving right after this podcast? I am. Hell yeah! yeah. How long go. does that take? How long it's, does it take from from Dom to Kyle's? I'm going to take the long way because I've never what? been to Austin, Texas, and uh, you know this is a very few. And I love driving through Texas. I'm a weirdo. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of taking it a long way. So I'm hoping to be there like Tuesday, I think. Have you planned your route? No, not really. Oh, no. Great, just suck it and see. Love <laughs> someone, it. Someone yeah, asked me about this owner thing. <laughs> so I went, out to, I went out to see some friends at a at a at a, at the bar last night. There, some other friends of mine are they're playing a, this honky tonk band. So I was talking to somebody that like, came up to me and was like, "Oh, how, how's your Tesla going? How's it you doing in Tesla?" And I mentioned I'm going on a road trip, and they said, "Oh, did you have to like take time and then plan all the stops?" And I'm like, "No, no, you just." Tell the car where you're going, and it lays that all out there. All the charging stops, how much battery you, energy you have in the battery when you arrive, how much you'll have when you leave, uh, how much time, how long you'll be there. All that stuff is all laid out on the screen before you even move anywhere. So they were like very, you know, impressed with that. And maybe I just sold a Tesla. I don't know, but well, uh, we're looking looking forward to some updates when you get back and posting oh. <laughs> it on air. Yeah, you yeah. should do a daily vlog episode. Yes, a daily vlog episode. Yeah, just just talk, oh, just chat. Okay. Well, you I mean, know, I plan on I, shooting a video when I when I'm on this trip. That's like one of the main th- things about this trip. I want to shoot, like, make it like a, a proper motoring travel video. Yeah, but don't just do one. Do right, every no. day, make a separate video. Oh yeah, I'm, I plan. I'm bringing my guitar with me. I was thinking maybe playing some music at the supercharger stops. I'm not really sure exactly. I don't have a solid idea of what I'm doing, but I'm just going to try to shoot a bunch of video. I don't know. We'll see Wait, what happens. That, that's a whole subgenre of YouTube: entertaining people charging their EVs whilst playing your guitar and singing for them. I think that's right. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. 
We'll I'd love how, that. We'll if I have to charge that my is. car, if I have nothing to do for 20 minutes and a guy's like, can I play you a song? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> You're not asking for money, are you? <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I Hey, I'd no. love that. I'd be like, yeah, crack on. Yeah. Put a little right. tin cup at your feet and just sit right. there and start well, playing. I'll have the guitar case. People can throw it. I mean, I actually, I actually used to do that I, back in the 90s. I lost my job. Uh, I was living in Montreal, so I, I played in the in the subway for for money for you know for hours and hours a day. Wow! Yeah, uh, it's not a great way to make a living. <laughs> really, so many I, of these great stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gary's yeah. got a great line. We'll play for kilowatt hours. You should have a sign there. That's good, actually, <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah. You could people could uh, yeah people could just uh, initiate a charge on their app or something and be like, oh, I'll pay for your yeah. That's amazing. Oh, that's, you guys have all the angles. I never thought of any idea. of this. Like, I'll play you a song and you can activate my charge for me. Yes. Right on. Hey, so we were talking about the uh, Audi e-tron and what a great deal it is if you buy used. But And this week, uh, Kyle, you did some videos with the new e-tron and, uh, versus the old e-tron and actually versus the, the Mercedes EQE SUV as well. So one video, and they're basically road 70-mile-an-hour uh, highway tests. With the uh, with the e-trons, so yeah, how, um, so yeah, what can people expect of like the old e-tron versus new e-tron, like range-wise at least? Yeah, so uh, it's pretty interesting because the old e-tron, if you don't own one right now, they're thirty-five grand for like a really nice low mileage mm -hmm. example. We saw under thirty thousand. We talked about for you know fifty thousand miles. So they're they're dirt cheap for what you're getting. The new one that we tested, equivalent spec, prestige to prestige, is. 92 grand so it's such a big mm. delta so what do you get for the price difference that's what we were trying to show here is like not that you'd be dumb to get a new one because i really like the new one but it's like the old one does so many things better so the first thing that we noticed and i have a whole video coming on this soon is uh the old car has so much more cobalt in the battery pack which like yeah isn't environmentally friendly or socially friendly in any way mm. but what it means is when you're driving your big expensive audi around it charges like a monster regardless of the conditions and really regardless of the state of charge so we all know it's famous for that 150 kilowatt flat charging curve all the way up to 80%. And even at 95%, the thing's doing 60 plus kilowatts, just ripping the juice all the way. The new car does not have that same experience, sadly. The new car still has a great charging curve as far as all things are considered. It peaks just above 170 kilowatts. It's okay, it's not that much faster, but up top, it really slows down. So actually, if you were to plug both cars in, I have to crunch the numbers. If you wanted to just say, let's say, add 70 kilowatt hours to the pack, yeah, you might get a little bit of a head start in the new car, but then the old car will eventually catch up later on into the charging session. And especially in cold weather, the old car, not, neither support battery preconditioning. The old car almost doesn't need it because it just warms up so quickly at a DC charger because it can charge very fast at a low temperature thanks to all the cobalt. The new car, it wasn't that cold outside, but we already started to notice a little bit of derating due to cold battery that we were not getting on the old car. So from a, reliable, from a consistency perspective of charging performance, the old car certainly takes the cake. But what you are getting with the new one is 20 kilowatt hours more. Yeah. And uh, so a much bigger battery pack. We're talking 86 and a half usable in the old car to 106 usable in the new one. 
So your wow. full charge range is massively improved. Uh, and I think it came out to 60 something miles, 70 miles of highway driving where it's improved. I mean, another wow. solid 45 to 50 minutes of driving at highway speed before you were at zero. That's and significant. So, yeah, no, totally, totally significant. But in, again, like that's really the only improvement. The car um, they claim is more aerodynamic and more efficient, but actually the old car was more efficient throughout the whole test by 0.1 mm -hmm. miles per kilowatt hour, um, which I know is a relative scale, but it basically was always slightly behind Alyssa's car, which we thought was really interesting because talking to the Audi guys, they're like, we adjusted this motor here and we changed the aero profile under the car here and the front fascia. And, um, you know, it's like the old car is more efficient. <laughs> so right, this is right. really fascinating. And even more fascinating than this was Jordan, we had an EQE on test as well, which unfortunately I think we forgot to talk about because I forgot we had it. Um, speaking of efficiency. Yes, speaking of efficiency, um, the Mercedes EQE is priced exactly the same as the Q8 e-tron within a few thousand dollars. It has a much smaller battery pack. It's only 91 kilowatt hour usable, something like that. Right, so but it's heavier somehow. That's it's weird. heavier, which makes no sense because it's a bespoke EV platform. So right. somehow Mercedes made it heavier than the Q8 e-tron. And it is so much more efficient with like 15 or 16 kilowatt hours less capacity than the Q8 e-tron. It went farther. And 14 it miles farther. It, mm -hmm. Yeah, uses, uh, it only went, uh, no, it didn't, it wasn't that big of a difference. It was like 280, Wait. I think I did. And then, yeah, Jordan did 303, I think. Right, Jordan did three hundred four. He did, but he did also a little bit more higher speed at the very end of the at the run on the front roads during these tests. Um, yeah, so he actually stayed. It didn't really show in the video, but he stayed on okay. the highway for as long as he could, and so did I. So it okay. worked out. Yeah, where cars okay. pretty much went through the same thing. But it was cool to run them on the same day and be like, what you know, regardless, like Audi, the car weighs okay. It like looks so much better than the EQE. But it's actually the aerodynamic profile is nearly the same as well in terms of coefficient of drag, which you wouldn't expect. And so it's right. like, what is Audi doing making all the electricity evaporate? And also what is Mercedes doing making this cars like this egg shape for, they say for aerodynamics, but we can see, you know, other cars don't have the egg shape and they're just as aerodynamic also. Right. Well, and, and it's always coefficient of drag times surface area that matters. And mm -hmm. so we don't have that surface area calculation. So it's possible and likely that the EQE is still slipperier than the Q8. But in terms right. of CD, they were only 0 0.01 difference, if I remember correctly. Like they were right. so close in all of the metrics. But then the Mercedes has a much smaller battery pack and, yeah, actually the same charging performance. Um yeah, same peak speeds while charging, but the Mercedes needs 500 amps, while the Audi only needs 400 amps. Um, that's just because the Mercedes uses like a 320 volt nominal system, which also shows that like high voltage isn't needed for massive efficiency because Mercedes has done it with the lowest voltage car. And it was a really fascinating test. We got two videos out of it. We had a lot of fun. Uh, and the real moral of the story here is buy a used e-tron for 30 grand and charge for an extra two minutes. And also shout out to Jordan who did his, did a great job on that video. I really had a great time watching that one. It was <laughs> really funny that one. Yes.
Yeah, that was great. Um, all right. Hey, Tom, you're kind of quiet over there. I didn't want to bring you into the conversation here because you've had a, uh, you've got a new charger, EV charger review up. And uh, it takes, it takes you like, I guess, several weeks probably to put these together because you put uh, these home charging, we call them EVSE, electric vehicle uh, service equipment, like weirdest, weirdest acronym ever. But you put these home stations through a big tests over that period of time. Um, so Flow is kind of interesting. Don't they have their own like DC fast charging network? Yeah, so Flow, um, you know, uh, kind of like ChargePoint ha- has a uh, operation, uh, a network. Well, ChargePoint really doesn't technically operate. They sell the equipment, but they have DC fast chargers. They have public chargers and also charging equipment for home. And uh, yes, they are EVSA, but I'm one of those people that refuse to to call it EVSA because my followers don't understand that. Electric right. vehicle geeks do. I call them chargers. I know they're not chargers, but that's what people understand them as. And all of the companies that sell them call them chargers, you know? So right. I, I know it's, it's not technically correct, but I'm over the whole you know, soapbox, it's EVSE. You know, I get those comments all the time on all my right. the, the channel where people are <laughs> correcting me about what, what it is, but that's fine. The general public is not going to accept EVSE. They're not going to say, oh, I need to go out and get a new electric vehicle supply equipment. You know, like I said, right. I, I need to get a charger. So let's right. get over that. Um, a- we can we can explain to everyone that the charger is actually built into the car, but it is, it is what it is. And yeah, so um, I actually reviewed this unit like six years ago when it first came out flows was an early mover they've been selling these units i think since like 2017 um maybe even 2016 in canada when they first launched their canadian-based company they started selling in in canada they brought them to the u.s i think the year later and uh, i got one and and it was like one of the first reviews i did on charging equipment uh, but and and the the crazy thing is they really haven't improved them over the years. But it, it it's the same as it's been since for the last seven years, and and that's the biggest uh, drawback is because it only delivers thirty amps. And back in two thousand sixteen, that was normal. Like very few electric vehicle chargers delivered more than thirty amps because there were almost no cars that could accept more than thirty two amps at the time. Teslas did, but Tesla was always ahead of the pack with that. Um, and they never upped the power. Uh, but if you want to put that to the side, it's a, it's an outstanding unit in, in all regards. It's one of the best built uh, chargers that you'll ever get. It, the thing is, it's the heaviest uh, charger I've ever tested. The thing weighs like 30 pounds. Um, it's solid cast aluminum. Uh, and and Flo designed it to uh, for that particular reason, to be able to withstand the harshest Canadian winters and any kind of outdoor uh you know, uh, weather that it may encounter. And it's good for that. If you need to mount, if you need to buy a, a charger and mount it outside somewhere in an extraordinarily harsh environment, um, this is, should be uh, at the top of your list or, or a, a strong consideration. And you have to understand, we, we focus a lot about talking about speed, charging speed and so forth. Most people will be just fine with 30 amp charging at home. Uh, you, your car's in your garage for many continuous hours. Even if you have, uh, uh, an EV with a big battery, like my Lightning's got a 130 kilowatt hour battery pack. If I come home and plug it in every night, it'll always be charged by the morning, even on 30 amps. Hell, 16 amps would probably charge it overnight. Um, but but w- once you start getting into the big battery EVs, Hummer, uh, Silverado, even even the Lightning, if you drive a lot, if you drive 150, 
200 miles a day, you need, you, you should have a little bit of a more powerful charger in the garage. Um, but, but this, the 30 amp, I think will service a lot of people that said, Flow is working on their next generation of chargers. And while they haven't given me the specs yet, I'm certain it's going to be, you know, a 40 amp or 48 amp unit. But everything else on this this unit is is outstanding. It's got one of the best, if not the best. It might have tied the ChargePoint um, Home Flex, which is on the, my other side here, for the best cold weather cable. I did my cold weather deep freeze test pull that thing out of the freezer and it immediately is just like this. Whereas you've seen my reviews of the other chargers, it comes out, it's like a frozen garden hose. I can't even bend it. I think I'm going to snap the cable if I, if, if I bend it. Um, it passed the, all, everything that I threw at it. Uh, it's really a great unit. It's a little, it's, it's on the expensive side. Uh, you know, it's six ninety five for the, for the, um, the smart charging version of it, four ninety five for the non-smart version. So, you're paying a premium for uh, a premium uh, piece of equipment, uh, but not for the the power output. And that that was really the only thing that I could really knock it for. At the price it's at, this should be a 48 amp uh, unit, and it should be a Wi-Fi connected smart charger. It's uh, Flow's the only company that uses PLC. That's power line connection, and okay. it, it's good for. Let's say you don't have Wi-Fi in your area, or if you need a very long run, like a, a garage, big garage, and 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 you want to install chargers on the other end, and you don't want to put Wi-Fi repeaters, it, it'll work that way. Uh, it, it, the PLC, it runs over the existing power lines in your house. See, if you're watching on YouTube, I just pulled it out of the freezer. Uh, Martin had pulled it up there. You can see the cable's got, it's frozen. It it's crossed, got frost on right. it. And I, as soon as I straightened it out, it, it's it's like nice and, and floppy and and uh, you, you just don't see that with with most wow. cables. Most cables are fighting me, and they remain. See, watch it's. You see that? Look at that! Whoa, it, that's it, so impressive. And it was at negative, I think, sixteen degrees for twenty four for twenty four hours. See that? Like right. it, well, that's you, Canadian you, coming out. Yeah, exactly. So, like so, so well cooked so past the spaghetti. It's one of the best uh, cold weather cables. Um, I, I think I might just for the hell of it put that and the charge point home flex in the in the freezer overnight and and then just immediately compare the two of them because they're <laughs> yes. one and two they're they're yeah. one and two for the best uh charge that's a matter of fact that's why if you see behind me they're both on my wall here i took my charge point home flex off the main wall and brought it over here because i'm getting ready to put it in the freezer i might not even make a video i just want to do it for my own self to see which one's better but um so yeah it, it it's it's a great it has a fantastic connector the connector on this thing um I'm such a connector geek uh, is, is, is such a good connector. It's, it's rubberized. First of all, the outer casing is, oh, nice. is, is rubber. And when you grab it, it just feels good in your hand. It's got these ridges um, below here and a little indentation. So when you grab it, it really, it just feels good in your hand. And I, I know I obsess on this stuff, uh, but it's, it, it's when you buy an electric vehicle, this is going to be one of your best friends. You're, you're going to be touching this thing a lot. And, you know, it makes the whole charging experience better. It's got this piece of metal on top, this this top um, locking tab. And I dropped it directly on the tab. I was like trying to break it in the test and it didn't break. I know most of the other chargers, if I if I go five feet up and drop it directly on, on this tab, it's going to break them. I, I know it's going to happen. So I, I specifically don't do it because everyone will break. And um, I mean, even you look at the new... Uh, Tesla universal wall connector, which I love. Look at how sm small this tab is. You see that? Mm 
mm-hmm. this this thing's going to break. It's plastic, and um, I'm concerned about, about about this. It's very um, weak. Compare it to this. Unless if I can get a good picture, that's a night and day difference. Yeah. But you, you, but you, 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 you um, see, see these two. Look at that. You know, yeah. which one's going to break if you drop it on the, uh, in your garage floor? You know, the one, it just takes one time dropping it and you can't replace this. Tesla won't sell this, this, this uh, adapter. You're shot. Like you, you need to buy a new unit. I, I've, I've asked them about that. If this breaks, if this adapter breaks, can I get a new one from you? Nope, that they're not going to sell it. So, Tom, uh, when when um, especially with certain chargers, we've seen uh, an issue where they're getting stuck in the vehicle's charge port. I was talking to my Volkswagen dealer uh, here in town and they're like, in the last month, we've had four ID4s get towed in with the wall box taken off the wall, put in the back seat and they can't get the (laughs) connector out because they're saying that there's an issue with the latch not fitting right. It's across multiple different charger types. Are certain yeah. cars have higher tolerance or less tolerance where the Tesla one might have less of an issue than that? Yeah, and and you you hit the nail on the head. It seems like the ID4 is one of the vehicles that, um, and it, God, it takes like a half a millimeter is all it takes for, for, for that charge port not to fit perfectly in. And, and throughout, um, electric vehicle, you know, adoption over the last few years. I've seen this with many EVs through the years. Early on, it was way worse. Early on, that's funny. It's funny that we talk about this. One of the first things that got me to start reviewing chargers wasn't really to do comprehensive reviews like I do. It was just to tell people what chargers worked with what cars. Because on the early EVs, some of the connectors didn't work with some of the cars. And also there was compatibility issues where it was like, okay, if you had a BMW i3, you couldn't use the Leviton VersaCharge or the, uh, you know, the the Leviton Evergreen. It was the Siemens VersaCharge. And, and, and that was the extent of my reviews was to say, okay, all right, you just bought the, uh, the Ford Focus electric, the conversion they did. You can use this and this one, but don't buy this one because it won't work with your car. So that was like the impetus for me to start doing these reviews is, and, and we're still seeing it. It's getting better, but, um, the Volkswagens in particular seem to have a a less tolerance. And I have noticed that some of the Grizzly units seem to be the ones that are getting stuck on the Volkswagens more than some of the other, um, some of the other chargers. I mean, we've, we've had issues with connectors right from the beginning. Matter of fact, I'll geek out some more. The charge point, which I love the charge point connector also. Can you guys see in that there's a, a gasket? Uh, you probably can't see that. But there's a rubber gasket on the inside of the charge point. Oh, as a matter of fact, it's not on the on the home. I should have known no. that. But charge points, other, uh, uh, their previous version of their um their, their home charging equipment and the public chargers has a gasket. That gasket was what was getting stuck in the charge ports of the car. And even though it was just rubber, you couldn't pull it out. And people were afraid they were going to break their car. So the cars were getting towed in with the charge point connectors on it. And um, I mean, I know I've in public when this has happened, I've had people send me pictures where they got so frustrated, they cut the cable off the, the charge point public charger and and just you know took it and took it home and uh and they were so argued so what charge point started telling people was get a little screwdriver or something and take that take that um gasket out 
because that's what's causing the connectors to stick to the cars. And um, yeah, so, but yeah, this is, it's still happening. Um, And, uh, you know, all it takes is a half a millimeter tolerance for, 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 for it not to happen. It happens a lot with adapters too, Kyle. A lot of the adapters, especially the ones coming from China, some of the lower price ones, um, uh, there, there's there's problems with them sticking uh, to, to the vehicle. And the customer doesn't know if their cars, if it's the car's fault, if it's that. But um, yeah, it's still something we're working on. I know I probably went on a little too long about this, but. No, no, no I have that. a question on the topic, actually, because, uh, you know, it's our show. We can go as long as we need to. Um, so uh, you last week, I didn't make the show last week. We're talking about this next to CCS uh, adapter, the one that you showed previously uh, in this episode. The adapter, um, you know, I, I understand the company that like I tweeted at them some stuff and they're like still waiting on final approval and they're under NDAs with certain manufacturers. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the heck is going on, yeah. but the adapter is rated in kilowatts, which is like not cool. It's yeah. it's maximum rating is 250 kilowatts, which means nothing yeah. because it doesn't tell you at what voltage it can handle current. Yeah. And current should be the maximum limitation. And there are like people don't understand current. I'm like, who gives a crap? You're rating an adapter. You know, that's what you have to put on there. What uh, what's your impression of that without a current limitation? It just seems like 250 kilowatts could be at a thousand volts. Um, yeah, well, it is, it is rated at up to a thousand volts. Um, but is it so, 250 kilowatts at a thousand volts? No, no, I think it's 300 amps. Um, and uh, yeah. And uh, but here's the thing. And I just interviewed the CEO and president of the company, and I'm going to have a video up on that early next week. I've done a deep dive into this, this, this here. I actually went and used it. I set up a like a Ruve Goldberg uh, uh, device where I plugged this into a CCS to Tesla adapter together, went to a supercharger with a Tesla, plugged the supercharger into this, then plugged it into the car and it worked. It passed the power through. So, uh, it, you know, it, it did work. But um, I, I can't use this on a CCS car because the car has to be authorized. So there's no way for me to test it. Um, although I did. I, I went to, with my uh, my lightning just for fun and recorded it at a supercharger and everyone was looking at me. And it, of course, it didn't work. But I, I, I'm going to put that in the video. Um, the video should be up in less than a week. Uh, and I interviewed the president CEO. We, he answered some of the questions you're asking now. Uh, and the reason why they're not... Um, in my opinion, the reason why they're, it, it's still a little fuzzy, Kyle, and why they've been slow getting back to you, I, I'm the only one that he's given this to, and, and he's not going to give it to any other influencers or YouTube people or anything. Um, not yet, because this isn't the final version. Um, they basically, um, and you're, you'll find out when I publish this video, uh, this was completed last year. This was done in December of last year before any of the companies agreed to sign on. And he started making prototypes with it. He started sending it to companies and saying, look, are you interested in working with me? He's got a bunch of companies working with him. He got feedback from these companies. And they, everybody says, look, you know, if you want us to approve this, to because he wants this to be the approved adapter. He's the only one that has one. And um, the, he, he's getting feedback from the company saying, well, if you want me to endorse it, you have to uh, change, you know, whatever. I want the, the contacts to be silver plated or whatever. And then the next company says, well, if you want this, I need this lock mechanism on the bottom here, which I don't love because it's a manual lock. I want that to be a electronic trigger where if you don't lock it, the car, the, 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 the thing won't work. All right. That's number two. Okay. The next person says, well, 
I wanted to do this. So he's taken feedback from all these companies involved. And, uh, you know, he won't mention companies, but I think we can all assume that we know who he's talking about. Some of the early movers in this um, whole, uh, you know, CCS to NAX uh, conversion. And he's making all those changes now. And very soon, the, 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 the one that actually people can buy will be available. So that's why he's not interested in giving anybody this thing. He basically gave it to me because he knows uh, I, I would I'd be a, a platform for him. And it's kind yeah, of what I do. Fine. So, no so, so it, I think just has to be safe. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Uh, he, he doesn't want to sell it until see none of the automakers are going to endorse it unless it's it's safe. There is currently no um, safety certification for CCS or high speed charging adapters. There's no body he can give this to Kyle and say, Certify this that it's safe because there's no uh, testing protocol for these things yet. So, mm-hmm. so that's why even the Tesla adapter, you know, the the Tesla CCS adapter, that's not UL certified because you UL looked at Tesla and said, "What the hell do you want us to do with this thing? We don't know how to test it." Like you know, like there's no they don't just test devices. There's a protocol that that they put them through and they test it. UL is developing a protocol currently for charging adapters. Um, and um, we're gonna talk about that in the video that I did, the interview that I did um, uh, about this this new protocol. It's not finalized yet, but um, uh, A to Z's plan is um, to be, you know, the first adapter to be, to go through this UL certification and be certified in addition to being endorsed by the automakers. So, well, so that's why he's a little vague right now on the, you, you want, you want facts, you want to know what it is. He, yeah. he, 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 they're, they're still in the process of making the final version and that's going to change those parameters. Okay. So why even send one unit out to you? That's what I don't understand. Why, why does he need the publicity now? on a well, non, I, non-related to the final version. It, it's not I, a huge I th- deal. Though. I think the reason why he sent it to me was because that video I made about the um, the non-approved uh, adapters. And mm-hmm. and he, he, you know, when he first reached out to me, he basically said, like, all of us adapter companies are like flipping out now over that video you did because it's like, you know, it's, it's causing a lot of stir, but I wanted to engage with you. I want to talk to you. And he basically said, I want to prove to you that we are going at great lengths to have these safe and to have it certified and to have it approved by the automakers. I want to be the company that has the approved adapter. And if you'd like, I'll send you one and we'll have a conversation about why we're focusing on safety. So that, that, that's how that, that, that's how this happened. Okay. Yeah, no, it sounds great. Uh, super exciting, but it's going to be basically his adapter versus the Tesla official one because Tesla already has one that they're building in Gigafactory yeah. New York, which is for magic docs. So it's already on the market. Yeah. You know, w- uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot he couldn't say um, because there's, so there's really NDAs involved. Tesla contract here. That could be interesting. But like, as far as I know from friends who work at Gigafactory New York, like they're spinning up, a whole production line of these things. Hmm. Well, that could be the case, but you have to also understand, I don't think any one vendor will be able to make the volume that's going to be needed. Yeah. It's going to need a lot. You know, everybody so, will want one. Yeah. yeah everybody so, wants so, one. Yeah. So for a couple of years. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I think the new, the other automakers are going to add Max to their cars, but only in 2025. So all the cars that have been built to now and all the cars coming next yeah. year, 
you know, we'll need this adapter. So that's a, a lot of adapters. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, it'd be freaking cool if he can get all that automaker support. If it can be safe, I'm all for it. Um, and there's only one guy I got to bring it to uh, who, who's like a real adapter safety dirt. And if he says it's okay, then I can, <laughs> I can go with it. But this guy is really cool. Well, uh, and I'm sure you'll get one. Apart. Once it's um once it's certified and and there was oh, yeah, another I'll thing ta- talking about safety this one here you could see there's some screws oh uh, you can't really see it but right. um th- there are some some screws ex- external that would allow you to open it up that's that's one of the other things that at least one of the automakers had a problem with was kind of like if if you want us to certify this it has to be made so if it's opened it's ruined. Like you could never use it once it's opened. So that that's why some, some of the, he's, he has a list of things he's, and he said, we're, we're going to, we're going to satisfy everybody's demands. Like everyone's uh, commanded that we can't be opened. Did you have Mm. to change the contacts? We want the higher amperage. We want this, we want this, we want this. That's why they're going through that process now. And and you can't even pre-order it on the website, but um, he's talking really soon, like being done with this and ready to sell it before the end of this year. And, um, wow. you know, Amazing. so that's, well, you know, luck. so he's that's been working luck. on it for a while. I mean, that, like I said, this first version was done in December of last year. Wow. Yeah. Epic. That's cool. Right on. Hey, so we should probably talk about some news, uh, before the end of the show, but that was great. Thank you, Tom, for that. Um, so let's see the big news, I guess this week would be the debut of the Honda prologue. Uh, this is built on the Altium platform, so it's similar to uh, the Chevy Blazer EV, but it's got its own Honda styling uh, on the outside. At least I'm not sure the inside. Someone was saying earlier that it's kind of kind of similar to the Blazer inside, except it has a start engine button or something. Uh, so it has a uh, it comes in front wheel drive standard, like the lower spec or all wheel drive. Uh, the only only power specifications they're releasing so far is on the all-wheel drive version. So it's 288 horsepower, 333 foot-pounds of torque. It has an 85 kilowatt-hour usable battery, which they say is good for 300 EPA miles in the front-wheel drive configuration. Um, so that's a decent number. Peak charging is 155 kilowatts, which is a bit of a odd number because the Blazer EV, which is you know, kind of what's underneath this, the skin of this has 190 kilowatt hour peak power charging, DC charging rate. Um, Honda says Prologue will start in the upper $40,000 range. So that's for the front wheel drive. Um, and But Honda emphasizes it will be fun to drive. It has a multi-link front and rear suspension, and they say they've optimized it to deliver a sporty driving experience with class-leading refinement. So, and it comes with Google built-in wireless uh, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Let's see. Yeah. But I think the best reason to get this is it's an excuse to get the Moto Compacto. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Which goes in in it and sits in the back. And, uh, but you know, this, I think, I feel like they missed like a a trick here because I don't know if you can get to the uh, slide there, Martin, with the the Moto Compacto in in the back storage department mm. but they have it they show it here and it's just like sitting right it's just like sitting on top but why isn't there like under underfloor storage like in styrofoam sort of molded cut out so this like just you know lift that up slide this into where it, you know fits right in slots right in like a molded 
uh, styrofoam, whatever. And yeah, but whatever. It's a great, great excuse to have the Moto Compacto, which you can't really tell there, but it folds out and turns into a little scooter for that last mile or two. And Kyle wants one. That's right. <laughs> and they're like a thousand bucks. So why not? I think if we've you... covered the story perfectly. Right. Okay. So, uh, Tom, any, or yeah, Tom, uh, what's your feelings about this prologue right off the bat? So, um, it's kind of, if you would have asked me to, to draw what, what, you know, Honda's, what this would have been before seeing it, I probably would have nailed it because it's just so typical Honda. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's kind of uninspiring. It's, it's conservative. I like the way the rear looks. I think that looks kind of cool, but again, they don't take any chances, Honda. It's just kind of like, we're, we make family, family people movers and, you know, we don't take risks. And that's kind of what I see. You take this and put it up against the blazer and, you know, the blazer looks a lot more in, inspired, you know, it's just kind of like that's Honda and that's what they were going to do. So, uh, but again, the styling subjective. So we shouldn't spend a lot of time on that. Some people probably love it. I don't hate it. Um, it's just, it's not inspiring, but uh, talk about, you mentioned the DC fast charging which is kind yeah. of weird because it is underpinned by GM's Ultium platform and the, the, the Blazer EV, the Lyra can charge at 195 kilowatts. This is going to be limited at 155. Um, it's interesting that, you know, GM doesn't give charging times like 10 to 80%, like almost everyone else does. They always say it, it can add, you know, 80 miles in 10 minutes. And, right. um, and, and Honda did that also that I think was 65 miles in five minutes, something like that. Um, and I'm sure that's, um, you know, partially because uh, they kind of related it to what uh, GM th does. But then they also offered that it will do 20 to 80 percent, which is 60 percent of the battery in 35 minutes. So if you do the numbers, that's an average of about 87 kilowatts between the 20 and the 20 to 80 percent charging curve uh, under perfect conditions because they're going to give you the perfect conditions. So in perfect conditions from 20% to 80%, it averages 87 kilowatts, which is very pedestrian. You know, it's not, it, it's pretty bad. It's, I wouldn't say it's horrible, but it verges on, on that, that you can't average a hundred kilowatts charging at such a low state of charge. Um, and uh, I'm not surprised because the, my, in my charging, what I've seen so far with all of the Ultium products that I've charged it, 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 I understand why GM came out with that and just gives, you know, oh, it's 100 miles in nine minutes because I always, every time I plug in for the first 10 minutes, it, it charges like a champ and then it's just all over the place and really slows down charging. And these, this, this charging numbers here are similar to what I saw with the Lyric. And um, it's, uh, it's, I, I, GM still has to deal figure out the Ultium charging platform, in, in my opinion. So that, that's enough with that. And, um, one of the things I like that they do offer, and and this is something that I've always talked about, is help the customer with charging. So along with the Prolog, you're going to get the option of getting either a, they give you a free 48 amp home charger, which I, I like when the manufacturers try to steer people to home charging and not offer those free unlimited uh, DC fast charging uh, programs and steer people towards public charging to have a bad experience. And then, you know, they don't like their EV. So with Honda's giving you an option, you can get a 48 amp char home charger with, with a $500 installation credit and a hundred dollar credit 
on EVgo plus 60 kilowatt hours on Electrify America. I think it's the first, it is the first company that's giving you a charging, a public charging incentive on two different networks at the same time, but they're both very limited, which is good. $100 EVgo, 60 kilowatt hour on Electrify America. I'm fine with that. I just don't like the unlimited charging plans. Well, that's option one. Option two is a 32 amp portable charger, a $250 installation credit because you only really need to get uh, a NEMA 1450 if you're getting a portable charger, uh, and a $300 public charging credit on EVgo. So again, 60 kilowatt hour on Electrify America. Final charging option is $750 charging credit on EVgo and 60 kilowatt hour on on um, Electrify America. Uh, so I, I like the fact that they're, they're helping the customers charge because and you guys know I did a lot of EV dealership training. The biggest hurdle was charging. When customers were thinking about buying an EV, they didn't know where to go. They didn't know what equipment they need. So I really do love when the manufacturers help the customer with charging and say, look, we'll take care of it. We'll give you the charge. You can have your choice. We'll give you the home charger. We'll pay a good portion of your incentive and we'll throw you a carrot for public charging. That's great. I, I love that. Rather than buy this car, you never have to pay for fuel for three years. I, that it, it, that's lazy it, and 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 it, it's hurting the public charging experience for everyone. Um, uh, but what I'm really looking forward to for Honda is their new e uh, architecture, which isn't going to come out until 2025. Uh, you know, it's it's you know they're 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 using GMs. Uh, this is kind of a half-baked, this is a, a stopgap. You know, we need to license somebody else's technology for a few years until we get our act together. Um, and I think their their e-architecture is going to come out in 2025. Um, they may even build their EVs here in the U.S. to qualify for the tax credit at their hub in uh, Marysville, Ohio, the, mm-hmm. the new EV hub facility, I think it's called, that they're going to be doing. So that's what I'm really looking forward to for Honda is when they start building their own fully, you know, homegrown uh, platform and make their own EVs rather than, you know, licensing. I mean, this is so, you know, 2010, you know, the Mercedes <laughs> did this with Tesla for the B-class EV back, you know, in, in whatever, 2011, they had them build the platforms. It's like, come on, Honda, you, you can't build your own ground up car for us yet at this point. But um, it seems like it's a, a decent vehicle. I don't know if I'd choose it over a Blazer EV, but you know, there's people that love Hondas and, They'll go for mm-hmm. it. So on the Blazer, you guys, I don't know if you catch it, I caught it. I just briefly showed up uh, on screen from uh, gmauthority.com, an article from just a couple of weeks ago. So I hadn't seen this, which was the different charge speeds for the Blazer. Um, and so I hadn't realized that, that, yeah, the Blazer, as uh, was it Nebula in the comments, points out that, whoops, sorry, my bad, uh, that the smaller pack, that the pack that is in the prologue, They've said up to 150. So Honda's actually kind of faster than the Blazer, saying 155. And then on the big daddy pack on the RS, all-wheel drive and the SS, um, that's the one with the the faster onboard charger and that as well, which I hadn't realized. But I'm not an expert on the Blazer specs because I tend to get more interested in vehicles when people start driving them. Uh, right. But they are in production at the Mexican plant now. So uh, so yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's interesting. I hadn't I hadn't seen that. Apologies if it was common knowledge. It was that that's kind of new to me. And that explains the prologue specs as well. Yeah, I didn't realize that. So but you know, I missed it but, too. yeah, but you know, uh, uh, what I'm really what I was really focusing on was the 20 to 80% more so because yeah. uh, honestly the peak charging speed, I don't focus on that because it, no. it, it all depends how long it's going to hold it for. And, and with what I've seen with GM products is it doesn't hold the peak 
uh, charging rate very long. So I almost don't care about what they what they say the peak charging rate is. I want to see 10 to 80. That's what I want to see because that's when you're on a road trip, I don't give a damn if it can charge at 250 kilowatts. If it still takes 40 minutes to go 10 to 80, you know, you got to look at the average amount of power that it takes over a period of time. Now, I know there's going to be some instances where you just need that 50 or 60 miles. And that's great for that, where you plug it in, bang, you get that 60 miles in eight minutes, you unplug and leave. But I think the majority of the, the DC fast charging is going to be that 10 to 80, 20 to 80, 10 to 70, somewhere in that where you get a chunk of miles. And it's got to do that in, in under half an hour, well under half an hour. You got to get 20 to 80 in, in, mm. in, you know, 20, 25 minutes. And um, this 35 minutes and, and it's 20 to 80. They even hedged it. They didn't do the 10 to 80. Mm. That's that's very pedestrian. Averaging 87 kilowatts for, for 60% of the, the low end of the pack, 60% of it, that's, that's not good. Yeah. Joshua I'm, asks about CarPlay. Yes, Honda will put it in. GM don't. Mm-hmm. Right. Wireless so, CarPlay and, and yeah. Android Auto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice. It's, it's oh, a big plus for a lot of people. People love that. Very quickly right. on charging speeds, uh, just a story from this week. I was looking at what we can change the Kona for, and I thought, you know what? The ENIAC, the Skoda ENIAC, it's got a huge boot because, um, you know, I've got, a, I've got a baby push chair to put in there now. And I'm like, actually, the e-tron's, up, the e-tron's there with number one for me because it would fit everything. But I was like, you know what? The ENIAC, the ENIAC, let's look at the pricing of that. And I started looking at it, and then I was like, when Skoda first sold the ENIAC, didn't they offer faster DC charging as a paid upgrade, which annoyed me at the time, because I always think with cars, if the hardware is in the car, sell it or don't sell it, put it on the original spec sheet. So mm-hmm. I was going through these used ads for used Skoda ENIACs. Not one of them mentioned, oh, this is the peak charge rate, or hey, we've got the paid upgrade on this. And I'm like, I don't even know how to find that out buying a used car. Did the original buyer spec the faster DC charging as the paid upgrade? I don't even know if Skoda still do that, by the way. I was really angry when they did it at the time because I said, look, in five years' time on the used market, this is going to be chaos. And and then, fair enough, I was looking at that car being like, I wouldn't buy a Skoda ENIAC used without knowing what's the spec sheet. And none of the dealers even mentioned it in the description. So I'm like, ah, back to the e-tron then, which is, which is fine, by the way. <laughs> right. So the, the Audi e-tron is also a great deal over there in the UK. So what's the price difference like the Audi e-tron and the Enneax that you're looking but at? I'd still pay low 30s for both. Oh, and the Audi is just like double the car at least, right? At least it's for feel and comfort and all yeah. the stuff. Safety it's a even probably. But, but I will yeah, tell you, the Enneax is nice. I had an Enneax for is. a week. In okay. Italy, last two years ago, when I went to Italy, got one for a week, and I drove it all across the country. I'm not really up on the European cars as probably as much as I should. I thought it was like the Skoda was going to be a step down from Volkswagen, like it was mm-hmm. a value brand, but it wasn't at all. It was a step up from an ID4, in my opinion. It was right. more luxurious than than an ID4. I was like, wow, like. This is a better ID4. I even think it looks better, and it the interior was nicer. It just it just felt better to me, and um, I'd be bullish on you getting one of those if you could pick one up for a good price because They're I huge. I thought it yeah. was a great vehicle, a really big storage in the back. But the e-tron doesn't suffer with that. That's not a problem. But um, yeah, I just thought oh, I'm not even going to start looking at this car because. With you know, the VIN, you should be able to be able to pull all the options from a de- You go to a dealer and, and, and give them the uh, VIN. Can't they print that out? They should do. Uh, but I like, you know what? It's just, and you know what? It doesn't even matter. I don't go anywhere. 
<laughs> I'm not sure I've even left my postcode in the last seven days. It really doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I don't do long journeys, but still. Anyway. All right. Um, let's move on a little bit uh, to just slightly to the, to the left of this. Uh, it's still really Honda related. So uh, there is one app now with Honda to rule them all. Without leaving the Honda Link or Acura EV smartphone apps, Honda and Acura EV owners can find available station, pay for charging, redeem credits, enroll in subscription plans, and access other features at the EVgo and Electrify America stations and those of the roaming partners. So, and I believe this is also going to include uh, the Tesla supercharger network at two at some point when that uh, next year. So, but it's kind of a great big deal, right? One app, your home, you know, app has all the different networks all in, in, integrated into the one experience. So I thought that was uh, worth mentioning. Uh, yeah. And Honda is planning to launch an e new EV model in North America equipped with a NAX port in 2025. So from that point forward, Honda will continue adopting NAX standards for its models. Yeah, we know that. All right, uh, so let's move on. So we've been talking a lot recently about Chinese brand cars coming to the US, but they're getting closer and closer <laughs> with the launch of the 2024 BYD Dolphin in Mexico. Uh, so this is not the brand's first EV in Mexico. It's delivered the first batch of Yuan Plus EVs. That's known in other markets as the Atto 3, which I believe, Martin, you said at the top, was just coming to Australia. It's in a lot of different countries. BYD is very big on its international presence. It's everywhere. So, uh, yeah, so the Atto 3 entered Mexico last summer, and they have them on their website there. It starts at 45, 615 equivalent, which is not that, not cheap. Uh, the Dolphin um, right, appears to start at the equivalent of $30,598, which is also high because, uh, and BYD plans to sell twenty to 30000 of them over the next year. So the, the Dolphin is a compact front-wheel drive hatchback built on the platform 3.0 architecture that, uh, and is powered by the BYD Blade battery, which is, uses the LFP chemistry. They market that as being safer uh, with regards to fire and things. It offers 93 horsepower, 132 pound-feet of torque with a permanent magnet, flat wire wound synchronous motor, 0 to 60 or 0 to 62 or 0 to 100 kilometers an hour is 12.3 seconds. So, hello, 1985. <laughs> Just like we're so used to seeing quick cars and stuff, 12.3 seconds is a, kind of a step back, I think, in my opinion. But that blade battery does hold 44.9 kilowatt hours, and they say that's good for 252 miles. Don't know what uh, test they used to achieve that, but it's probably a bit op on the optimistic side, I think. It does have a heat pump, though, and uh, small wheels. It's like 16-inch 16, 16 wheels. <laughs> uh, the charge time is BYD does weird things with its charge time. Instead of 20 to 80%, they, they go 30 to 80%, and this does that in 30 minutes, which is not you know, blistering fast for a small battery, but yeah. Martin, do they sell the BYD the Dolphin in the UK yet? Don't think so. I think there's the European version, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, gets a bigger battery by 15 kilowatt hours, I think, but, uh, or 10 oh, really? kilowatt hours, but, um, uh, I missed yeah. that detail. Uh, I don't think they did. They, oh, you know, they might do. It might have, BYD are just putting stuff on sale in various countries around Europe. Um, okay. 
and and then the yeah the one that you are really looking at is the atos i think which are they begin to get really luxurious inside for the money that you're paying right um, so, but uh, uh, but yeah the, i oh man i need to have I need, I need to find out if this is on in what countries in europe this is on sale so i don't really i hadn't really thought of byd as being a more of a luxury brand but then looking at some of like the han they do the han also which is going to come into mexico at some point and the tang which is an suv uh, also coming to Mexico and the upscale and they're not they're not cheap they're like I think the tang was like eighty thousand dollars equivalent in in Mexico uh, so that's a you know that's a bit of, that's a chunk of change so yeah but BYDs in Mexico uh, Kyle road trip <laughs> actually probably they also have some in LA that we can drive so they oh, have yeah? media oh, vehicles right. in in the U S that's true because we, they do have a you know especially in the LA area they do have a presence they they manufacture buses in southern california too right yeah but my it. understanding is it's a separate side of the business sure sure but yeah, I, think- I actually went to some like byd party thing at uh around the iaa motor show and it okay. was it was really fascinating because you we showed up at this huge celebration hundreds of people all dressed in suits and i got my sweatshirt up like what's going on here uh so when we go up you know we get up front we're like we're ready to learn about byd stuff and um and and then we we sat in a basic like orchestra rock concert for 30 minutes and then the president of byd came up said a few words about coming to europe and then there was another concert for about 30 minutes and we learned nothing about the cars. And it was the BYD Welcome to Europe party. Okay. <laughs> it didn't even mention any of the car names. So oh. I was like, this is crazy. So they really, this is, it was wild. Um, honestly, my impression was not, not impressed, but uh-huh. uh, <laughs> excited to drive them here yeah, at yeah. least. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious. I'm really curious because yeah, they were one of the early movers in, in electric vehicles in China, in anywhere really. And they had that, one model, I think the E1, they have it everywhere. They have it as taxis in South America. You can, Columbia has a bunch of, you know, these, these taxis. Uh, but it just, you know, it didn't really strike me as a luxurious or especially nice. It was pretty utilitarian, I thought. So it looks like they're coming a long ways and uh, they have, they're pretty ambitious, it looks like. The, so the, the seal, and, and Kyle mentions the name. Like, I thought that the seal was going to be called the Atto 4 when it went to Australia and the UK. And now I think they're going to stick with the Chinese name, which is the, the seal. Um, but it's proper. It's really I like the good. Seal. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely proper. Um, and again, I, they've kind of flip flopped on what it's going to be called and the name. Which, and I just wish it was clear and just straight up like this is what we're going to call the car when it arrives in your market because atto 4 or seal i don't care what it's called i mean they're both okay names whatever but uh it's proper this is this is very good this one what's yeah. the one that's smaller than the dolphin that they have in china is it uh it's another animal name i thought the dolphin was the smallest one but yeah they have no, a whole seafaring creature kind of thing going on they have a really interesting looking one that's tiny um and uh, yeah, I actually met someone who drives one, and they love it. I just can't remember the name of it. Okay, seagull. seagull. Yeah, seagull. Yes. Yes. Which is also a guitar manufacturer in Quebec. Can we pull up a uh, picture of the BYD seagull? We, we can find the seagull. We need uh, our viewers need to see how it's got a, it's got a Wikipedia page. Yeah, okay. look at this thing. That's uh, interesting. <laughs> it's got some Lamborghini cute. going on yeah. and, and a hatchback, basically. That's. Yeah, it's got angles. It's got 
shapes. <laughs> it's really, <laughs> I, I really like it. I can see my Spark EV in there though, underneath all that somehow. Yeah, a little bit for sure. Yeah. Uh, so the other the other big thing about BYD right now that I, I wanted to bring, I really wanted to mention that the dolphin coming to Mexico is that they're actually considering building a plant, a manufacturing plant in Mexico. Uh, BYD's global executive vice president uh, Stella Lee says it will depend though on on the market upon the market what happens to see. So they have like this goal of twenty to thirty thousand uh, of the which we call it dolphins. Selling oh so if those sell really well they could very well build a plant there to manufacture, but it didn't sound like like in the little bit that I read, they didn't sound like they were want to establish a plant to then sell cars into North America into the U.S. market, which I don't know why you wouldn't do that because you'll you'd be able to take advantage of of the uh, the IRA Act and and get some they'd be eligible for uh, for rebates and things incentives so i'm not sure if that's part of the plan and they just didn't mention it but if man i i would think that's uh, one way of you know get into the uh, u.s market and, and uh, dealing with actual lower uh, labor costs and i don't know do they have unions in mexico yes but they're not as strong as the u.s ones or as um you know influential in some cases Right. So, which brings us to our next story. Oh, Don, before you, I know oh. that we're up against time because it's, oh. you know, it's, we've been going a while. Oops. So, uh, I, because I, I was, I was going to say is before we go, I just wanted to mention, uh, the, the Kia EV9. I think that's a, I think it's a big story that we should mention to our, for our viewers starting at 55. I think that's, I, I think that's interesting. That's not going to be the long range battery, but I think this going on the market at 55 deserves a mention before we go. I thought that was a, a, a big getting some pricing on this, which I hadn't seen for the US, and it arrives to customers before the end of the year. I think it's a big deal. Do you think they will sell one at sticker? No, no, and everyone should get the big battery anyway. But still, uh, right. get it's called the light long range, which is what you want. Uh, but the light version which is the cheapest one. I just think to get that much vehicle in the US market is is impressive at 55. But as you, as you say, who's going to order the base spec of this? Yeah. Well, size-wise, it's great, but it's got the smaller battery. It's 76.1 kilowatt hours, uh, and it's got this the single 215 horsepower motor, but at least it's on the right axle in the back. Uh, range is like 223 miles, 0 to 67.7 seconds. Uh, yeah, you can get the bigger battery. But the next thing you go up, you can get the ninety-nine point eight kilowatt hour battery and three hundred miles of range. But then you, and you, if you stay with the uh, rear-wheel drive, then you, your zero to sixty is even worse, at eight point eight seconds. So there's like weird trade-offs there. I don't know. What? Kyle, Kyle, you're laughing at me. I'm just like, what? Electric power is so cheap. Just put a Tesla motor in it. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, you have to get really all-wheel drive before you get, uh, you know, super performance. Like the all-wheel drive, the top spec. The all-wheel drive GT line gives you 379 horsepower, 516 foot-pounds of torque. The torque is what you know gets you going, and that's uh, range is only 243 miles. It's in the middle, but you get to 60 miles an hour in five seconds, which is probably too fast. But well, no, <laughs> six that, seconds that is fine. Reasonable, and I mean, then this is a big vehicle, you know. So, but there will also be a full GT coming, right? They haven't. They're not talking about that one yet. That's going to be right. <laughs> interesting. I think the pricing's great. I agree with Martin. What's what's the what's the rear wheel drive EV nine, uh, EV six light? Uh, it's like forty nine. That sounds. Yeah, I think it starts at forty nine thousand. Right. So, right. 
for 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 six grand more, you're getting so much more vehicle. That seat mm-hmm. seven, uh, and um, you know, for a, a lot of you know soccer moms that that use these type of vehicles to haul the family around, they don't yeah. care about zero to sixty in five seconds, and sure. they don't even care about the extra range because it's 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 driving people around town. It's run errands uh, and doing it cheaply and efficiently, and seating seven people and having a lot of storage in the back. Um, I think this is great news. I love this at at fifty five thousand, the base model. I think that's, I think it's awesome. I think it's a great option for people that you know are trying to keep the cost down and trying to stretch their budget and don't want to pay for that extra motor and don't want to pay for the the extra you know four seconds less here to sixty or five seconds less. Um, I love this at fifty five. When I first heard it was I I was certain this was going to be close to sixty the base model because it's a lot of vehicle. Yeah, so, or even over sixty. Yeah, good on Kia. This is a great starting price um, for the vehicle. Yes, as Kyle mentioned, early on, no one's going to get these for that price. Unfortunately, deals are going to gouge you, but the prices will come down eventually. And people, you know, you don't have to be the first one on the block to get one. And, uh, you know, somebody that's maybe has a year and a half or two years left on their their lease now could be looking at this as the vehicle to replace their current, you know, family hauler. And uh, good on Kia, 55 grand for this is that's a lot of vehicle for 55,000. And it's yes. a looker, I think. No, yeah, I love it. Nice. It's, it's great. I think yeah. it looks great. Yeah. The, uh, They're killing uh, it. It's good. Spe- and as I mentioned in the intro, I know we ran out of time, but I, in the intro that I mentioned as well, and it's uh, the, the Nero EV. I'll show this while we talk. This isn't. This is the EV9, not the Nero. Right. Uh, but the Nero EV is about the same price as the current model, and they've added vehicle to load and a heat pump uh, as on the base model. And All it's right. $180 more for the 24 model year and uh and it's not it's got vehicle to load as standard and it's like these this is little improvements that they're making and not little improvements that's you know you get into the tesla debate if you want to which is you know we waited all this time for the highland update and it's it's a few little tweaks actually it's not kyle's yeah. walk around video uh it's actually pretty comprehensive it's a very comprehensive video best one i saw yeah. um and there's lots of small you know little tweaks but you know could tesla not have done that have given us a little chunky you know, plug to keep our, uh, you know, either when you're on the road to plug in your camping equipment or if you've got a power cut to plug in your freezer so you don't lose all your food. Could they have done that? Absolutely. There's good reasons why they didn't do that. Um, and yet you've got these innovations coming from companies like Kia. Really good on them. Um, yeah, the Nero EV continues to be brilliant value as well. Right on. Uh, I don't know. Do y'all have the time for one more story? Uh, yeah, i got to get going. It's four o'clock okay. here. You know, we've got to get this podcast uploaded and the audio version done. i got a rug rat home in about 10 minutes' time. And if I don't finish up, he's going to burst through that door and he's going to uh, want to watch. Just, we have to mention Tesla Magic Docs <laughs> are expanding massively. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I keep, yeah, seeing, yeah, it in, I keep yeah. seeing it in the comments. People are oh, there's two comments this week, which is like, are you guys going to talk about the UAW strike? No, not really. I know nothing about it and actually let people you know, negotiate for the money that they deserve to pay, what, you know, what crack on. I don't know what we add to the discussion on unions. Um, and I'm a union guy. So um, the uh, only thing I'm going to add to that really quickly is Ford's announcement that they're going to halt production on their new right. battery plant. That's the you know, that is just posturing. That's, I mean, uh, they're being squeezed by both sides. So they, they yeah. got they, they got Congress coming at them over that deal too. They got a lot of pressure from Congress. Yeah, I, and I, they also I think got, they got the, the unions telling them they're doing it. They're to, flexing doing their over. muscles. They're saying these are the strings we could pull if you guys want to play hardball. All right, that's right, that's, that's 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 how I feel about. It. But go ahead. Yeah, that's, that's all we need to say about the the, the union. 
And Magic Doc Locations, does anyone in the comments know a, a good website that I can go to that will show all of them? I got PlugShare yeah. online. Tesla.com. Tesla. Oh, is this? Okay. And it will, you can just search for public ones or you can use your Tesla app. Oh, and cool. And start your non-Tesla. Yeah, and right, we have I'll four in Colorado, four in Colorado, one in Moab, which really unlocks the the this area, especially oh, for the off-road Moab. enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Moab was key. They had a 50 kilowatt charger. It went offline. It was almost impossible to drive there. And it's Rivian doesn't have something there. Rivian has no adventure network uh, in Moab at the moment. Oh, and so now Tesla has a magic dock. Um, yeah, I thought that would be like the first Rivian location, but right? uh, it, it wasn't. <laughs> And so, yeah, you're seeing them in the southeast in Louisiana. You're seeing them in Kentucky and Indiana, California, here in the the Rocky Mountain region. And uh, it's just been amazing to watch. One week ago, there was like, I don't know, 15 stations. And now it's doubled. It they're all Those were the original runs, all the ones right. in New York. And they've just expanded into Canada and uh, other places. It's it's truly awesome. We have a, a whole bunch of videos on out of spec about it, of course, and you'll find those on, on the out of spec podcast and the guide channels at the moment. What do you yeah. think, Kyle? What do you think about the proliferation of these uh, with, with, with the adapters coming, be, becoming available soon, right? Within six months, you, you know, you'll be able to buy an adapter. Is, is 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 will Tesla continue to install these? And if they do, is it just so that they'll qualify for federal funds? Because then those stations can serve any vehicle. Uh, but they're I, already built. Tes- What's that? They can't. They don't qualify for Nevi because yeah. they're already built. So so what? So why? If you're Tesla, why install this more complex thing that's much more likely to break? Rather than telling people, hey, you spend your 150 bucks, buy one of these, you could use our stations. Why continue to install Magic Docs? No idea. This was the, we did a whole podcast on why, where's the incentive? Because yeah. if anything, to me, it just muddies the water in the transition to Nax, which is like yep. clear that we need to change our port. So why are we supporting more CCS uh, from Tesla's perspective? It's fascinating. I will tell you selfishly as someone who owns, I don't know, three or four CCS vehicles, I am thrilled because I can now take those vehicles into the mountains. I can now take my Rivian to Moab. So it's a short term patch that really helps uh in the meantime and honestly won't affect the user experience to uh you know someone using the north american charging standard port so maybe it's a no-lose situation or maybe tesla is truly finding that there's a significant number of automakers who have yet to announce are not going to announce the transition to nax and they want to serve those customers it's all speculation it and to me it seems very odd timing it's there's no word from tesla as to why I'm not complaining. I'm just confused, but I'm thrilled that there are, yeah, a bunch of stations now within just a few days, just bam, bam, bam. And we're finding rate your charge check-ins of the Tesla employees at like four in the morning doing this. Yeah, it's so cool. In I mean, obviously night, sneaking the magic docs in like Santa Claus. Obviously, this was planned a long time ago. You know, Tesla didn't just decide last month, okay, let's install Magic Docs all over the place. I don't believe. I mean, it takes a while to engineer, to to build the stuff. It's possible that when they started deciding we were going to we were going to open up you know a bunch of our network to with these magic docs they didn't have the 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 other automakers signed on and agreeing to it yet and now they're 
you know, going ahead with at least some installation just so the other automakers like you're talking about see their customers charging at Tesla Superchargers and saying it's such a better experience. I can't imagine they're going to they're going to put thousands of these around the country. I don't know why they would. It's it's right. only making a more complex system for them. That's going to they're, they're going to break. Everything breaks. Whenever you make something more complex, it, it's going to it breaks more frequently. One of the beauties about the Tesla Supercharger was it was so elegant with the connection. There was no tabs. There was no, it, they, 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 they very rarely broke. These are going to break at a higher rate than regular Teslas, the, uh, superchargers. They, they have to. So why do it? If, if you can tell a customer, you want to use a network, it's 150 bucks, go buy an adapter and you could use our network. Yeah. Sorry, Dominic. I prefer okay. Tesla's built-in solution than an adapter because it can't be stolen. It's always there. You can't lose it and get stranded. And if it breaks, Tesla has the best charging service network out there. They have their own in-house techs that know when things are broken and they fix them uh, near instantaneously versus someone's adapter might fall on the ground. And again, I'm not, I'm just generally not a fan of adapters. I just generally feel like it's not safe. I know Tesla, it, this is an adapter, this magic dock that they're using, but at least it's controlled in a way, but you're right, Tom, there's no there seems to be no financial benefit to Tesla other to Tesla. Yeah. than they're able to charge more vehicles at a particular station in this interim. And maybe they're just trying to up the amount of kilowatt hours that they deliver to cars, regardless of how they do it. Yeah, I, I'd written on, on threads this week about the situation because so, when, uh, when the other automatics started accepting the NAC standard, I thought Magic Dock would kind of wither and die. But uh Tesla is playing for keeps, basically. I think they're just trying to grab as much market share and mind share while they can, while you know they've got an advantage right now, and they're just pressing that advantage. And uh, I mean, I don't think the other automa- the other other uh, networks have a really a good answer for it either. You know, like they don't, they can't compete with Tesla on cost uh, of installation. Tesla is making, you know, prefabbing their, you know, their their superchargers and just dropping them in place. What CCS2 um, cabinet manufacturer is doing that for for like EA or, or EVgo or something to drop, you know, to do a similar kind of thing. You know, um, so what's interesting, I was just thinking about this point too, some of the stations, especially here in Colorado, uh, they may have had state funding to do this. Um, but not from the federal level. It's not Nevi. Um, it's there are certain state initiatives that we have where um, these, for example, these four locations, three of four of them are really key charging locations for CCS vehicles where, um, you know, especially going up into Steamboat from Denver, this Kremlin stop is going to be so needed and so useful. And it was such a pain with the CCS car doing this one. We'll also be using it a bunch because you can see we live just in Fort Collins. And now we can actually take the back way over to Glenwood Springs rather than going down I-25. So nice. if I-25 was ever closed for whatever reason or there's ski traffic there are some cases where I'd want to go that back route. It was almost impossible before. So now it's much better. Sweet. All right. Well, I think that probably brings us to the end of our show. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, please leave us a, a comment below or get in touch with us on Twitter where we are Batteries Inc. Pod or X, if you like, or on Threads where we are Batteries Included Podcast. You can follow Martin on Twitter or Threads at EV News Daily. 
on Twitter, Tom is at Tomalog with two M's and Tomalog me on threads. I'm Dominic Yoni on threads and in real life, Kyle is at It's Kyle Connor on Twitter and goes by Virtual Kyle on threads. Uh, don't forget, if you like the show, please give us a thumbs up, click subscribe, tap that bell icon for notifications. Thank you all very much for joining us and we'll see you all again very soon. Ciao. Take care.